0: hi everyone i'm david i support gen x grown up on patreon and you should too don't you want to keep this great content coming so you know what to do go to genxgrownup.com patreon and just do it Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast listeners to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I am John, joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And of course, George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? Forty years ago, we dropped our first quarter into a pale blue arcade cabinet for a few minutes of gaming fun. Controlling a little plumber in an attempt to rescue a girl from a giant gorilla, we knew it was something special, but couldn't have imagined just how special. In this episode, we are highlighting the history and legacy of the original 1981 arcade classic, Donkey Kong. God, George, can you hear the excitement in his voice? I
2: know,
3: because <laughs> <laughs> I in there like, how eloquent are you gonna get about a damn game of Donkey Kong? I know. Kong? <laughs> I thought he for a second, I thought he was gonna compose an ode. Yeah. <laughs> I teared up a little bit, actually. It was, we thought it was special as we put our first quarter in. Give me a fucking break. We are just trying to play something on the screen.
0: <laughs> it's more important than that. It's Donkey Kong. I'm telling you. It is. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
3: Talk about revisionist history. Good Lord. <laughs> it's the way I remember it. I think that <laughs> ought to count. Literally everyone in the world was playing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Including you and me. So yes, yes all of us were playing <laughs> We were, we were. You're right. I can't wait to talk about oh, Donkey no. Kong. We're looking forward to this. I, I forget whose <laughs> suggestion it was, but you know, Pac-Man had its 40th anniversary last year and the world was celebrating. You had t-shirts and you had special edition commemorative and I haven't seen any of that for Donkey Kong and so it deserves a celebration and so who better to do it?
3: Hey, I haven't seen any of that for Galaga either. I'm just saying that was 1981 as well. Right? And we're mm. doing that in a few weeks, actually. We're going to do a Galaga, in
0: <laughs> fact. We, we have that on the calendar. Then you get to hear George wax poetic about <laughs> Galaga instead of me. <laughs> I don't think I don't
3: I'm going to talk about (laughs) about the first time I put a quarter in being special though.
0: Well, it was. (laughs) We're going to get into all of that. Before we do, a little fun business to take care of here in this opening segment. First, it's been a while since I read one, but we have a brand new iTunes review. It's fantastic if you do take time to leave us a review iTunes or wherever you listen, because it really helps people find the show. It brings us higher up in those stats. Uh, The one we have just recently posted was from We5Freaks. was the username. A five-star review. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, And the subject, you had to put a subject line on those. It says... Wow, very easy to listen to.
3: <laughs> what was the expectation before?
0: Like damn, this is going to be tough. Now you've listened to some podcasts that are hard to listen to, I'm That's sure. sure I, have. I, have. Yeah. I have. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Yeah, some of them don't make it easy. <laughs> Uh, The review reads, I listened to the Mr. Rogers episode. I could tell within the first few minutes the hosts were very good and very easy to listen to. I will definitely go back and listen to the back catalog. Awesome. Well, thank you. Wow. Fantastic. And I hope you do find some great stuff to listen to. Thank you, We5Freaks. If you are listening and have not yet given us a review, please take a second and do it. I know that the iTunes app is not super friendly, but if you take the time, it really, really helps out more than you know. So thanks for that. In addition to the iTunes review, we also have some fourth listener emails uh this episode the listener this time is david and the subject line of david's email is spit out coffee laughing
2: oh okay
0: that's another we've doing our job apparently you're yeah. supposed to have a good time a that's funny great moment. who knew <laughs> David says, just listening to your latest podcast and heard you read that email about what the listener thought mode looked like. Oh my <laughs> God.
1: <laughs>
3: oh my
0: God. This is going to is linger, isn't it?
3: Have we not made Alfred E. Newman like a icon thing in our Discord server yet? Yeah, I've seen well, I've seen pictures already, just so you know. Right, we need it. The listener described you
2: as- Oh, wait, wait, wait. Like we don't need to recount the whole thing here. Bad, acne we, we need pe- bad, bad acne. acne. we need people
3: to- go back and listen to it and then in Cosmo. oh yeah oh yeah it's wonderful wonderful don't we have a live stream coming up can we make oh. an icon for the live stream stuff as well instead of oh. moment on camera we'll just put the icon just up put in the alfred window. e newman in the corner i I'm think we are trying to find a mask or something
0: <laughs> according to our listeners you don't need it that's exactly what you look like yeah <laughs> Uh, David says, that was the funniest thing I've heard in months. OMG, crying, <laughs> laughing
2: emoji. See, I'm just going to interpret that as he found it funny because it's so unlikely. That's, that's why he was mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. Actually, mm. No comments. <laughs> no, comment. no, no comments. No comments. on that. No, 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 no. That's where my head is. That's where it's going to stay. It's my reality, and I'm accepting it.
0: Just stay in your happy place. That's right. Whatever helps you get through the day, though. I think that's fine. I'm glad you got a laugh out of it, David. So did we. So did a lot of people that mentioned over well, the Discord server. So we're still getting laughs out of it. <laughs> Thank you for writing in and letting us know, David. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one of them. If you talk about Mo, we'll you definitely put it in the show as well. <laughs> All uh, right. I'm ready to get into some Donkey Kong history right after this break. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Donkey Kong! The year was 1981. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. Should I not be that dramatic? (laughs) Is that that the problem? (laughs) It's going to be like a monolith with apes breaking bones. And- <laughs> that was a different piece of media content. Entertainment. No, no, it's not <laughs> going to
1: be
3: like that movie trailer voice guy
0: <laughs> in a world in the,
2: in the
3: time
0: before video games. <laughs> <who you> thought. <laughs> so we're talking all about Donkey Kong in this episode, as you already know from hearing the intro, if for any reason, before we dive into Donkey Kong, you've not played the game first. What are you waiting for? It's been 40 years, but <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> the premise is very simple. A A giant ape named Donkey Kong has abducted your girlfriend and scaled a construction site with her. As the hero, you attempt to reach the top of the screen to rescue her, all the while dodging barrels, fireballs, and other obstacles Donkey Kong throws your way. The premise is simple, Hmm? and there was not the first game with a simple premise of its type that was released. But something about it really grabbed the imagination of not just me or you, but millions of people across the world and made it a phenomenon that's lived on to this day and well past us, I'm sure. The game was released in 81 by a little known toy company called Nintendo, who at the time, (laughs) yeah, who knew at the time, right? They had already been putting out video games. They had pivoted from the other toys and they were a card game, I think, initially for a while, and they started doing video games. And Donkey Kong wasn't their first game. but this is where we should start talking about Shigeru Miyamoto. Mm. Everybody knows him as the creator of Mario. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. But before <laughs> yeah. that, he was the creator of Donkey Kong. In fact, that was his first creation. He joined Nintendo fresh out of college in 1977. And his first assignments were as a graphic artist. He did cabinet and promo art for games like Sheriff, Space Firebird, and Radar Scope. Mm. Uh,
3: that's the big one in the Donkey Kong line, right? It is. Yeah. yeah Radar
0: Scope is, is an important part of the Donkey Kong In fact, if Radar Scope was more popular, we wouldn't have Donkey Kong,
3: right? (laughs) Yep, so thank God it wasn't,
0: right? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Radar Scope was released by Nintendo, and they sent like 3,000 cabinets to North America. Only 1,000 of them actually sold. Nobody Mm -hmm. cared about or wanted Radar Scope. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So here they had 2,000 cabinets sitting around with nothing to do. And the way arcade games were back then is it, they were kind of like consoles. You had a certain number of chips and capabilities on the board and they would see, well, what else can we, what are games can we put into this hardware so we don't have to start from scratch? Mm-hmm. Kind of like putting a new cartridge in your, in your Nintendo these days, right?
3: Well, yeah, because a lot of the stuff was off the shelf chips even. I mean, exactly. Oh, that no was question. Mm-hmm. The era, that's why we had all the IBM clones that we've talked about in other episodes, you know, just pulling different stuff directly right off of a Consumer shelf and putting it into your build, and that's what they did with arcade games.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I thought it was more a question of like what buttons and controllers they had on the, the console itself that determined what games they could throw on it, more so than anything else, right? Oh, this has two buttons. Great, we could do this game. You know? Oh, sure.
3: That
0: had a big yeah, part yeah. That of it helped as well. too. Yeah, that helped too. Right. I'm sure if they were going to match the hardware, they said, all right, this thing has two buttons. I don't mm-hmm. want to refactor the controllers. Just right. make two buttons max. Right. Although
3: back in '81, I think almost every game that had a joystick and a button just had one joystick and one button. There weren't two. Yeah much two yeah. buttons I think so and then the player one player two starts but yeah. they were not controls mm-hmm. right you are
0: yeah. yeah so they turned to young Shigeru Miyamoto like look we got these 2,000 cabinets we got nothing to do with them anybody want to deal with it no just assign it to the new kid so <laughs>
3: right they
0: approached him to say would you like to try to develop a video game that works on this hardware that we can replace radar scope with and so he said sure I'll give it a
3: shot nice yeah and you know oddly enough they gave him what I think was a pretty large budget for development Developing this game at the time. Like you said, 2000 failed cabinets sitting in a warehouse, mm-hmm. a new kid who's just been there for a couple of years and really just done promotional artwork and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They gave him a hundred thousand dollars back to develop day. this game. Now that's in 1981 or 1980 dollars at that point. Right. Uh, yeah. It's $300,000 today. So can you imagine a company Who's just getting into the arcade market? They've only been in it a couple of years and they're not the big wigs yet. And they're giving three hundred grand to a kid who's done side art on panels for <laughs> arcade games. I mean, was that like was that unusual, I guess? I, I guess I don't
2: know like how uh, was that a little bit of money for a new game development or not.
3: I don't know if the amount of money was unusual or not, but Nintendo North America like <laughs> was was a very small Company, is yes, that yes, I can't yep. imagine hundred thousand dollars being a small amount of their overall budget. It had to be a large portion.
0: Yeah, it felt like a hail mary. It was like a mm. gamble that ultimately paid off. It's like, look, we have the cabinets. We got to do something with them. Otherwise, it's money that's absolutely going stale. Right. What are we going to do with all this hardware? So Miyamoto took that money and he became the game's director and, of course, lead artist. He was a graphic artist. Mm-hmm. He had never designed a video game before in his life, period. So think about all like the mechanics that we have in Donkey Kong today that became the de facto mechanics for games going forward. He just made it up. He wasn't basing it on things he'd done before. Just, oh, it, it, it blows my mind to think about I mean, Maybe that
2: was a benefit, the fact that he hadn't designed it before because he wasn't no preconceived notions into a way of thinking. Right, right. He didn't think about it that way. He thought of, you know, a design side of it. Like, how can I make this look good?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that is exactly what he did. I'll talk about more later on. The, the art design inside of the game was something that really just struck me. But and maybe the budget kind of played into this, George. Initially, it was going to be a licensed game based on Popeye, the comic strip. Really? Right. So maybe they had mm-hmm. this budget because it was going to be based on Popeye. And they hey, it's an instant winner. How can you lose, right? It's a yeah. known franchise.
3: Yeah. That's very possible. Yeah.
0: And he'd gotten started, and then they lost the license to do Popeye. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Oops. <Yeah. laughs> so Miyamoto did a pivot. Popeye was turned into Jumpman. Bluto was turned into a big gorilla. And Olive Oil became the damsel in distress, later named Pauline. Mm -hmm. It's a direct mapping. Oh, so it's going to be the same basic game. Yeah. Except substitute Popeye for, okay.
2: Oh, interesting. Which...
3: Somebody did Popeye later on. Was it Nintendo? Yeah. I can't remember. It was. A couple years later, they got the license back oh, and right. they did it. <laughs> right, And that yeah. was not nearly as successful no, as this game. No, not nearly. No,
0: no. Fun game, but nowhere near as amazing as what Donkey Kong, right? It could be playing Popeye World right now instead of Mario <laughs> World. Popeye oh, you're, oh my goodness. You're exactly right. Oh, <laughs> right? My, I never thought of that. Right? But that would be Bluto Country, right? It's like, no, we don't want to play that game. <laughs> this was considered one of the first games, a video game, that had a storyline that unfolded visually on screen. Think about how the game begins, right? It's you see Donkey Kong grab Pauline. He climbs up the ladder. And then he stomps. Yeah. Mo was singing it, right? And Mo stomps. Yeah, and it makes the girders <laughs> go in the little ziggurat pattern. Yeah. And you see what's happening. Now you know what the story is. And this is one of the first times. I know when I first saw it, I'm like, this is something different. I, I don't remember seeing you telling me like a little simple animated cartoon before I started. I mean, Luke was before this. Like,
2: asteroids, which has a, a weak, weak story, right? Yeah, shoot the rocks. Asteroids are about to fall on Earth or something. Shoot rocks. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but you don't see any of that in the initial I know. Yeah, had, yeah it's right? like...
2: One of those like deep knowledge things to Make like, it people up. were in the game or um or Pac-Man? Like, what's the point? Pac-Man, oh, Pac-Man. Right.
3: You don't see it as an initial load-in. You see it in between stages two and three. That's right. when they start telling a story. Kinda. 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 Yeah. Right? But even the story just
0: says, "Look, the ghosts are after you."
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, look, you're running away. You know. <laughs> yeah.
2: So yeah, exactly. this was like actually, they like said that you felt like you were actually trying to accomplish something rather than just clear a board.
3: Yeah, I think before. Donkey Kong, all the games, they may have had a story in mind when the creators were designing them, but they didn't mm-hmm. present that story to the audience. The audience was left to use their own imaginations yes. to make mm-hmm. up a story. And we all kind of made up similar stories because, yeah. you know, it's not like these games were overly complicated <laughs> <Right>. or deep. <laughs> but I think with Donkey Kong, it was the first one to say, you know, you don't have to do that. Here's the story we're trying to tell. This big creature has grabbed your girlfriend and he's up there throwing barrels at you. It's your job to go save her. And maybe, you know, for somebody like John, it bought him into the game just a little bit more, and why are you so nostalgic about it now? Yeah, oh, that's for
0: sure. certainly a contributing factor to my addiction. There's no question about it. Well, it's also, it's the first game I remember playing
2: where you were the hero. Like, you were actually the hero of a story. Other ones, you were just, whatever. You were a thing. Yeah, you were a thing. You were a rocket ship, right? Yeah, you a rocket right. ship, or... You were a
3: person,
0: right, or I was a, a yellow munchie pie, or whatever. Here, yeah.
2: <laughs> you're, you're actually trying to save somebody, right? You're trying to
0: save your girl, and all that stuff. Someone's dependent on you. It was a small story, too. It wasn't save the Earth, aliens are mm-hmm. invading. Right. It was, I need to rescue this person. So it was, you know, we talk about our media. I never thought about this until just now discussing it, but being a small personal story, it's it, it compels you a little more. Yeah, saving yeah. the world is great, but it's an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. What What's this gorilla going to do to this poor girl that he's tucked under <laughs> his arm and ran to the top of, the, you know,
3: the girders, or anything? Well, and it harkens back to King Kong, right? Because King Kong oh, yeah. grabs Fay oh, yeah. and takes her up to the top yep. of the Empire yep. State Building, so it was something that American audiences were already familiar with when it Mm. came out. It wasn't a foreign story. Like nobody go, why would an ape grab a woman and take her (laughs) to the top of a building? That's unbelievable. That's never happened. (laughs) What
2: else would an ape do with a woman? Yeah. I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) In addition to being one of the first ones that had a story, it was also one of the earliest examples of a platform game. It's a genre that we know today, the platformer. Mm No one had named that genre before. It was just, there had been Space Panic before it, I think, and maybe a couple of others. But Donkey Kong, again, the idea of there are levels, there are ladders, you know, that you're jumping between. That was the origin of that. That was another Miyamoto creation almost, how he, the mechanics of it and how you move,
3: that was brand new as well. Yeah, and I think what was is really nice about the game, you've played it a million times, it's not all of the increments to the next level are simple or easy. I mean, there's broken ladders. They're in different Mm -hmm, places around the grid. The grid is slanted. It's not just straight line levels like it was in some of those earlier games. So I think his uh, design came into it. The artistic side of him came into it way more than some of those earlier games that did platforming-ish kind of things.
0: You know, you make a good point that, again, I've probably not until this podcast ever thought about Donkey Kong critically like I am now, (laughs) but (laughs) that's a difference between a programmer making a game that fits within confines of his graph paper versus a visual artist creating a game that he's cramming the electronics to fit his visual style. And I think that lent itself in in ways that we never really thought about until maybe thinking about it now. (laughs) You know, a lot of people ask, you know, Donkey Kong, what does that even mean? It's a catchphrase today. It's unlike Donkey Kong. <laughs> of course, this was a Japanese company. And so they wanted an American name, uh, an English name for this game. So Donkey was used to convey stubborn in English because donkeys are stubborn beasts of burden. And of course, Kong being you know, a generic for large apes. And so they thought Donkey Kong. Other companies had trouble with translations of names. You remember Pac-Man's original name was Puckman. Yeah. And people loved to scratch the P so it looked like an F. And so they don't want to do anything crazy like that. (laughs) So that's where he came up with the name. And while Donkey Kong had a name, and then uh, the girl was just called the girl, shortly Mm -hmm. renamed to Pauline on the the side art. But Mario was not Mario when it was first released in Donkey Kong at all.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the most famous name change in video game history i would say you know everybody <laughs> yeah. knows he was jump man and then became mario yeah. later on yeah but it was he even like in donkey like, he really didn't even
2: have like a name at all right he was just the guy i mean they, they didn't call him jump man anywhere in there
0: you're right they didn't introduce him as anything it was on the the bezel artwork around the mm-hmm. sides where they would say and i think that was a generic he is your jump man he's the guy who can right. jump but they just called him jump man as a way to say you're your guy right there's interesting stuff about the design of him like why does he have suspenders why does it was he red and blue it had to do with Miyamoto trying to he wanted to convey that this guy had not just a single color he had a torso he had legs Mm -hmm. he had arms and it was high contrast he figured out the way to show that his torso was turning was by having those suspender stripes up the side and as they moved across the sprite it gave the illusion of motion and Mm. that was just art design that played into it is that also why he has a mustache wasn't there a reason behind that as well because he couldn't draw lips
2: that's right right. that's how (laughs) you Showed <laughs> show the face was. It was too small.
0: That's right. He did get the name Mario just a couple years later in Donkey Kong Jr. They finally said, hey, let's give him a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually named him after I think it was the landlord at Nintendo headquarters yeah. was named Mario something and he kind of looked like that guy with the mustache. So <laughs> he got that nickname. Who knew that that name Mario would become so huge? So important. More recognizable than any. Yeah. Ronald McDonald or Mickey Mouse <laughs> or anybody. You know, those people recognize Mario and well. kids might not recognize
3: anybody else yeah hold on oh you're you're going a little too far there i don't know if i am is mario more recognizable than mickey mouse disney is a pretty damn big company i don't think i'm gonna agree that he's bigger than mickey mouse (laughs) it's right up there we're bigger than jesus said the beatles mario's bigger than mickey mouse
0: (laughs) okay
1: well hey podcast listener my name is vince and i'm the host of a show called the rr show it stands for reddit readings
0: You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Crunchy
1: barrels are fun for breakfast. Donkey
2: Kong, a Donkey Kong cereal. Help, help. Donkey Kong brand cereal has a sweet crunchy corn taste. And boy, is it fun to crunch. It's part of this complete
1: breakfast. Kids, kids, you want to help get Donkey Kong? Give me a crunch. One more. Kong. Donkey Kong. Kong cereal. Toxie barrels of fun for breakfast.
3: Love the drunks. Development is one thing, but we really need to talk about what happened as the cabinet started hitting the market, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. As we... Had these cabinets being released into the wild? What was their real impact on the world of arcade gaming around them? There are statistics upon statistics upon... St- I went down a really deep rabbit hole <laughs> looking at some of these numbers. <laughs> it was nuts. So North American distributors convinced the managers of two bars in Seattle, Washington... Had to convince them. ...to set up Donkey Kong <laughs> machines, okay? So... <laughs> They're just these two little drinking watering holes. It's kind of funny that that's where they started because now the barcade is becoming a thing, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The managers
3: initially, they were like, nah, I don't really want to do that. But then They saw that these damn things were collecting $30 a day in quarters with no promotion whatsoever. And they did that for a week straight. So the two bar owners said, you know what? Send us a few more of those. If you have a couple
2: of those laying around, we'll take them off your hands. When I see
0: people standing in line, that means I need more cabinets to make more money. Oh, my goodness. So they publicly released the game in North America, July 9th, 1981. And clearly, those bar owners were onto something, and their yeah. patrons knew what was going on. Donkey Kong became the highest grossing arcade game the year after it came out in '82 in the United States.
3: Yep, what, what is, was the numbers you found here, George? It was nuts. Uh, so, coin revenue from July 1981 to December of 1982. This is coin revenue quarters going into the machines. One point one zero eight billion what with a damn (laughs) b that hundred thousand dollar
0: budget looks like a real good investment now doesn't it (laughs) that's a
3: lot of freaking quarters they did a 10x multiply on that from july to december of 1981 just in the six months that it was released in 81 105 million wow Mm. the other wow 900 whatever that took it over a billion was all in 1982 that's people really started to you know, find the game. I don't know when the albums and the songs started getting released, but I'm sure that it started in
0: '82, around yeah. that
3: time frame, because that's when both Pac Man is in its second year at that point, Donkey Kong's in its first mm-hmm. real year right. from the beginning of '82 on. I mean, it just exploded bloated everywhere.
2: Wow. Let me tell you, I mean, to show you like how much I think people started to notice how much money was making is, of course, they got sued by Universal <laughs> saying that they copied King Kong from them.
0: Right. Right. Well, you'd mentioned King Kong, right?
2: Yeah. But actually, it turns out that they lost the suit because the court ruled that King Kong is public domain. The concept of that.
0: Wow. Universal doesn't own King Kong. They just own that new movie about King Kong. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so they wound up losing. But that shows you how much money was involved. I and mean, you talk to them, like, you said billions of dollars. Universal's like, Give me my percentage
3: of that. And that was what got me those numbers that I gave you. That's 1981, 82 dollars. Remember when we talked about the stat earlier, 100,000 equals 300,000 a day. Right. Multiply those times three, folks. That's three billion dollars (laughs) today. I want to invent Donkey Kong right now. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You wonder why Nintendo is a powerhouse in the world. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Donkey Kong. I just try to imagine the guy in accounting, like, oh, we going <laughs> to video game. The numbers
2: come in, and his he's like, no one's going to believe me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> this must be this. broken. Yeah. This can't be right. Resend
3: <laughs> those to me, please. You know, and I just want to know, like, how they collected those stats back then, because you know there were hundreds and hundreds of these arcade. All around the country, reporting their revenue to who? You know, like these mini quarters. You know, because I just see this grimy guy collecting the quarters out of the <laughs> yeah. arcade machine. <laughs> now they did have counters. I don't know if you've opened up a cabinet, John and I. Oh, that's right. Definitely. With the quarter yeah. screen, you put them in. Yeah. 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 They had the little counters that would tick every time mm-hmm. that little flipper switch was a quarter went through it. It would tick up and right. I, they didn't have resets on the counters. It wasn't not even like an odometer on a car. You can roll back. You'd have to roll them back manually. So oh. maybe they use those to go in and inspect them every so now and then, or call oh. the arcades and said, Hey, what's your counter number up to now? That's the only thing I can figure I mean, think out. But back then though,
2: I mean, arcades were keeping a pretty close eye on that stuff, weren't they? Because they were knowing what games were popular, which ones
0: weren't, that kind
2: of for thing. Their, so for
3: themselves, but reporting is what I was trying reporting to Reporting it, it back. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: Well, there's no hiding the fact that, you know, when, when you have five Donkey Kong machines in your arcade and you call Nintendo to go, Could I get five more? Mm -hmm. It's clearly (laughs) successful. You're not losing money. And then they go, oh, really? How's it doing? Oh, this thing is doing gangbusters. Oh, my
3: goodness. (laughs) Well, John, I'm sure you'll be happy to know that it collected all kinds of awards. Even back then, I didn't even realize there were awards for arcade cabinets. But I either. January 1983. The 1982 Arcade Awards gave it the award for the best single-player video game, and obviously the certificate of merit as runner-up for Coin Op Game of the Year. What What one <laughs> <Pac-Man laughs> Coin Op Game of the Year? Probably, yeah, probably Pac-Man. Yeah.
0: yeah, Pac-Man's the bully. He takes everything. <laughs> But Pac-Man came out like long before that, though. So you know, just one just year the year there. before, It was just one year earlier. Yeah, yeah it wasn't okay. that big of a deal. Yeah, and not oh, even okay. a full year. Look at the difference between Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. Yeah, how much more really? artistry there is! I mean, Pac-Man is a phenomenally iconic game. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But one of them is a maze. And the other is almost a cartoon. You know what I mean? It's Well, there's so
2: much more and there. one of
3: them is a never-changing maze. Right. Yes. yeah, It right. just gets faster. And, and yeah. the other one is a constantly evolving set of storylines that you get to play through. And that was what made Donkey Kong stand out, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I have to tell you, the first time that I finished the first board, I was in a Pac-Man frame
0: of mind. You're like, all right, well, the next one's going to be faster barrels, and it's mm-hmm. going to be faster fireballs. And I was on this blue screen. I'm like oh my goodness, there's a whole other game here. Right. And I was going to experience that twice again because there are four different boards in this construction site to go through. You have the original ziggurat, you have the blue level with the, uh, they call it the rivets, that you have to clear the eight rivets. Mm -hmm. You have the elevator level, and then you have what's often called the pie factory or cement My factory, factory or these or whatever these four boards. Uh, they're all on this construction site. That's why there's hammers laying around and barrels laying around, obviously. But George, you make an excellent point that I was in the frame of mind of the next one's just harder and faster. The next one's just harder and mm-hmm. faster.
3: And you got another game to play and another, another game to play if you were good enough to get there. And that and was awesome. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, back then, that was what drew me to games like donkey kong and galaga they constantly evolved and changed in different ways now in galaga you got the same play field every single time how the ships came down at you was different and Mm -hmm. how they fired and their speed was different but the only differences really for galaga from stage to stage stage were the challenge stages I love Mm -hmm. those. Yeah. And if you could learn those,
0: you could absolutely master them if you figured out how it was going.
3: But that's why Pac-Man never held my interest, because it was just the same thing, just faster and more sped up. And I Mm -hmm. got pretty bored with Pac-Man pretty quick. But games like Galaga and Donkey Kong that changed and evolved over the play of my quarter, those held my interest one of the genius moves of many in Donkey Kong is the fact
2: that the cement factory you have to play for a bit to get to that Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's not a a map that you could get to easily so it's almost like you could get to that that was like an achievement unto itself you know that was like street cred in the arcade that you got to that level because it took effort you had to be pretty good to get there
3: and it's not just the fourth level either I like how they play you a couple levels and then you start back over and then you play a couple and then you (laughs) get a third one yeah we might get a fourth listener email so let me point out that
0: I am aware that in the japan versus the united states those boards go in different levels in japan they literally just give you all four levels in a row one two three four really Mm -hmm. i didn't know that But the american order what george pointed out i love how they did that american order right you do the ziggurat and then you do the rivets and then you start again at a harder for ziggurat level and then maybe you'll get the elevators and then you'll get rivets again but to your point mo i had to get at least to level three through like seven or eight boards before i even got to see the cement factory Mm -hmm. and then people are like somebody's on the cement factory come and look come and look if you haven't Seen it yet? Mm -hmm. Because there were no screenshots on the internet. There was no internet. There were no screenshots, right? right? Right. (laughs) You had to be there when a guy did it to see it. And it was fun. It was an event. I remember that kind of experience. A game like this that has a legacy like it does, high scores become a big deal. Yeah. We probably, everyone has seen The King of Kong, the 2007 film that kind of documented the the struggle of Steve Wiebe to fight against At least
3: everybody that's interested in video games that much. (laughs) I don't think everybody's seen King
0: of Kong. Hasn't it reached a little bit of pseudo-mainstream? I thought Ah. it had, maybe- it's on Netflix, and I guess. It's uh, on Netflix. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> that's
3: the benchmark. Yeah. That's the
0: mark of legitimacy right there.
3: <laughs> greenlit. Yeah, exactly.
0: Netflix greenlit. <laughs> all right. Point taken. All right. <laughs> world records are a big deal, though. Uh, we all know Billy Mitchell, who was the kind of the, the bad guy in that King of Kong. He set the world's first recognized world record all the way back in 1982, the year after it released. What is a big deal? 874,000 points. Amazing. That's mm. 10 times my average high score. I usually <laughs> hit 80 and then hit a wall. That score held for 18 years before mm. anybody touched God, it. Any idea how long it took to reach that score? It takes a couple hours. Oh, that's it? Okay. It takes a couple hours because you... Donkey Kong hits a kill screen. That's the challenge with a high score in Donkey Kong because there is a kill screen where you can't get points anymore. So it's all about maximizing points throughout the game all the way through, uh, getting every barrel, making every jump, doing the point press on the rivet level, George, where you jump next to Donkey Kong. Come, right. right. Get those points. Anywhere you can get a point, you take it because eventually you will just die for no reason and it's a kill screen. That's another event. People come, there's a kill screen coming. Come and see it. You see those in arcade. I don't think I've ever seen it.
3: <laughs> I, I saw it in King of Kong because I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. That's, that's where right. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you for Netflix. I appreciate it. <laughs> His high score got beat in 2000. Like I said, 18 years later, Tim Scurby hit 879,000 points, just 5,000 yeah, points just more. Barely. Wow. But then between 2005 Five and today it was broken dozens of times. It's like you look at the chart, it's like Billy Mitchell, Tim Skirby, and then eight thousand more entries. There's tons of them. I was like the likes like Robbie Lakeman, Steve Wiebe, Hank Chin, uh, Wes Copeland, so many people. But today, the current ones. So remember back in uh, in eighty two was eight hundred seventy four thousand. Mm-hmm. Lately, just said in January of twenty twenty one, this year, just six months ago, John McCurdy hit one point two seven two million points. Wow. wow! And that's the current that's a big, big leap. One. That's like 50% more yeah. than the other one, right? Huge. Holy yeah. cow. I you wow. Okay. So now we're running into a point where it's mathematically getting more and more difficult to get mm-hmm. a high score. It's not about how long can I live anymore? It's about how do I maximize my points? while I am alive before the kill screen. So I think we're starting to reach like the upper limit. If you look at the later scores, they're all by like a 1000 points, 2000 points. It's not hundreds of 1000s anymore. People are just squeaking, squeaking their way into it. Yeah, (laughs) I have talked at length both on this podcast and others about my first experience playing Donkey Kong, seeing it for the first time and what I felt about it. And I want to ask you guys, do you remember or if so, what do you remember about your first time seeing the cabinet or playing it? What were your thoughts if you had any at the time or or since. Uh, Let me start with you, George. Do you remember seeing it for the first time or playing?
3: Uh, You know, honestly, I don't think I remember the exact first time I saw it and played Mm -hmm. it. I know that I would have been probably 11 years old because I probably would have seen it in 82 when it really started hitting the mass market because Tallahassee would have never gotten it when it first came out in 81. <laughs> if there's no copy USA, there's no dumb. W- no. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the some of my earlier memories are playing it at an arcade that was in what we called the New Mall, the Governor Square Mall here in Tallahassee. There was an arcade called Tilt, and that was a pretty mm. wide arcade I chain. Spent many a days there. I remember... <laughs> (laughs) it wasn't at the forefront of the arcade. It wasn't like, in the prominent part, you know, like when you walk into a casino, all the really brightly colored slot machines are right up front, you know, (laughs) grab your attention. And I remember the first time playing it, like it was kind of on the left side wall of the arcade as you would enter. And there were like two or maybe three of them because they didn't have a lot of room in this tilt arcade. There was probably 50 arcade games total in there. Mm -hmm. So for it to have two or three, that was quite a lot of the real estate. But I remember having to wait, almost until it was time for my mother to come back to pick me up before I really got a chance to play it. And I'm sure that I I had to have died really quickly, probably, you know, first (laughs) couple of levels. But I remembered enjoying the mechanics of the game, understanding them very quickly and easily. You jump over barrels, you grab the hammer, you smash them, you climb up ladders, you're trying to get to the top. I think the only thing I do remember early on was the first time that I saved or got to Pauline on that first level. You didn't save her on the first level. Right, right, yeah. Getting to Pauline the first time and getting up that little short ladder where she's on that little half little beam there before he grabs her and takes her off. Just losing my shit. (laughs) <laughs> that I like you made it because it, it was then, so hard <laughs> for me i was 11 years old you know so that's that's my first memory of hmm.
0: donkey Kong. i love that you can visualize where it was sitting in the arcade yeah <laughs> that just speaks to how impactful these arcades were to our youth right it's like you close your eyes and you can see it and smell it and feel it what it was like that's really cool we talked about miyamoto's creativity like there's little animation cues that i never saw in other games like, think about when Mario gets to the top of a ladder. He doesn't just pop off the ladder. Mm-hmm. He kind of crouches over, mm-hmm. and you can see him, like, pushing himself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was that creative artist, not that video game designer in Miyamoto, doing something. That was that kind of special thing that I hadn't seen anywhere before. Yeah. Mo, what about you? Do you remember your first exposure or first times playing? Uh,
2: like, like, George, like I can't remember, like, when I first saw it. I remember when it hit the arcades in New York, you couldn't play it. The line of quarters across the top was just so long <laughs> right? That you, you just couldn't get to. It.
0: We had to earn that billion dollars, man. got to yeah, get going. So, so
2: what we did was that me and my friends actually wound up getting up early Sunday morning, going to the arcade first thing when it was like empty because no one was there and, and playing at that point because that was the only time we could get to play it. And I mean, that's all we played that first day. We just said like we kind of went in there purposely just to play Donkey Kong. And the thing that got me was like, I still remember I felt like such a boss for this, but just like I think it's the second girder level, a third one that if you as you're running across the bottom, if you keep jumping, you'll hit that diagonal barrel that's coming down
3: oh yeah you'll do the false drop. right yeah.
2: you, you can
0: time it and get that extra 100 points yeah yeah so yeah right. why
2: that was so important to me i just remember doing it <laughs> and feeling like i was like the master of Donkey Kong. of course you know <laughs> I, I didn't think i got to the cement factory the entire time we played but again it was just like the fact that it was a changing game that was a big thing like you said george you know it wasn't like the same like you're playing the same levels like oh it's not like more pac-man it's not like more this it's not mm-hmm. it's like Oh, you get to this level now. Oh, you're, yeah. You know, where are you? Oh, I'm at the third girder level. You know, that you knew exactly where they were in the progression by how they referenced it.
0: That speaks to how popular it was. If you're willing to give up early on a Sunday morning when yeah. you could have slept in, there's no cartoons to watch. <laughs> yeah. I could sleep in. There's no school. <laughs> you got up to go and catch Donkey Kong before the lines. Yeah, that's cool.
1: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes. And luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story.
0: Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Whoa! Mr.
1: Arcade!
2: Get him out
3: of here! He's playing Donkey Kong! You like Donkey Kong, eh? Okay, big (laughs) fella! It's the official
0: tabletop version of Donkey Kong,
3: and it looks, plays, and sounds the same.
0: It
1: even has different screens as you get higher.
3: And even more
1: important,
0: you can take Donkey Kong home. Official Donkey Kong, the arcade game you can take home with you from Coleco.
2: You can't talk about Donkey Kong without talking about just how it evolved over time. I mean, it has become now. I mean, look at today, look at Mario World, it's become like this whole worldwide phenomena. But sure. it went through a lot of changes, even in the early days, which I also guess you, you know, thinking back, I didn't realize how many different evolutions there were of the game just in the first couple of years. Plus, you know, the fact that it was going into consoles. What well, you're
0: absolutely right. I mean, you have a hit that big that's making that much money in the arcades. You got to find a way to maximize it on that mm-hmm. everywhere. So so Nintendo, first we did the, the game and watch ports. So they did, it wasn't exactly the game. In fact, we did a live stream not long yeah. ago <laughs> looking at it. It's a very different game, but it's the characters you know. It's the girders and that kind of thing. They did them on game and watch. Those little
3: cool black and white LCD. It didn't matter. I mean, it was, you were taking Donkey Kong around with you in your pocket. That's what mattered. Damn yeah. straight. Yep. <laughs> Sold. And
0: then Mo, of course, they started doing, ports were a thing because Atari and the yeah. television was coming. Coming out. So, Coleco, they had gotten the rights to do the home ports, but first, they also they had the rights to do all home versions of Donkey Kong. So, they had their line of those Coleco arcade mm-hmm. shaped tabletop toys. Ugh. Now, I love those. I wish I had them all. I only own one. Guess which one I own? (laughs) I own the Donkey Kong version. (laughs) Yep. And and it works. It's horrible. But like you (laughs) said, George, it didn't matter that it was Blippy and it didn't even resemble the game and it had no real mechanics. It was just lighting up fields on
3: this LCD. Who cares? It was Donkey Kong. Well, what pisses me off right now is John just forced me into the mindset of, now I've got to go collect all these damn Coleco tabletops, (laughs) including Donkey Kong. Because... I you're right back then I wanted all of them. We had like between me and my friends I've talked about it in other podcasts, we had probably 5 or 6 different ones and a couple of uh, duplicates and we formed that little arcade back in the woods. In the woods <laughs> we've talked about right that we would charge people a quarter, yeah. <laughs> Now I want all those, now that I have money, I just don't know that I have enough money because <laughs> yeah, now, these are yeah. not cheap, I'm sure. They oh.
0: start around 100 bucks a piece it, wow. in poor shape.
3: Yeah, they really do. Yeah, I lucked out with mine. Yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of refurbishment to get it back in operation, so... We might be seeing some of those videos pop up on the <laughs> channel after a while. You know, And the one I got, like, it needs refurbishment, but I don't want to touch it. I don't want
0: to tarnish. It looks... It's not damaged. It just looks loved. It was used, <laughs> you know? And so I don't want to take that kind of history off of it. You could make a new sticker or whatever, but... Uh, So, yeah, the home versions. Now, in the arcade, here's Donkey Kong making millions and millions of dollars. So nobody's going to be asleep at the wheel and realize, what if we did something like Donkey Kong? (laughs) So you started seeing clones of Donkey Kong, the Crazy Kong, which, oddly enough, wasn't actually a clone. It was a licensed derivative of Donkey Kong because Nintendo had trouble satisfying the need that they authorized this company to distribute Crazy Kong, which well, was a which bad Crazy version. Well, which Crazy Because there's two. Yeah. Oh, there is? Crazy with a C. It was Crazy Kong with a C. <laughs> really? I didn't realize there's two. Holy cow. Yeah, and then there's Crazy Kong with a K. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's Logger, which is a re- remap on top of Donkey Kong where there's a big bird throwing barrels and there's a guy with a pickaxe. <laughs> no, that's... Donkey Monkey, Monkey Kong, there are tons of them. That's terrible. They all kind of look like Donkey Kong, but they're different colors, or they don't quite look or sound right, or they're on different hardware. They ported as different hardware, and then there were the ones that were—they were knockoffs. They were like the same platform idea. Congo Bongo comes to mind, which is literally a monkey throwing coconuts as you try to make your way to the top. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Kangaroo was a derivative of Donkey Kong. You were trying to call that a
3: knockoff? Okay. Uh, Well, yeah, it was a platformer. Yeah, I guess so a little bit. You had to get to the top to rescue your son. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, but. If you're going to go that route, I don't, I mean, knockoffs, because every system moving forward could be considered a knockoff of some original game. I hear you. I don't mean it derogatorily. I think Kangaroo is a fantastic game and it has
0: a lot of its own mechanics, but there's certainly, it harkens back to what you did in Donkey Kong, sure. is where I'm getting. okay. Yeah. Uh, Hard Hat Mac computer game, minor 2049er, monkey business, ape craze, tons of games that are literally, I have girders, I have ladders, I'm trying to get to the top. Those sorts of games with some variation. So was, uh, Donkey Kong Jr., was that the first kind of successor game, official successor game to Donkey Kong? First sequel? It absolutely was. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Now, in that one we mentioned, that's where Jumpman got his name changed to Mario, Mm -hmm. because it actually says on the screen, help rescue Donkey Kong from Mario, it actually says. Right. Donkey Kong Jr. flips the script, right? Yeah. They introduced Donkey Kong's son, Donkey Kong Jr., and now Mario has trapped Donkey Kong. A little bit of revenge. And you have to save him. Yeah.
3: Well, and I I think that's the logical progression in the sequel storyline. Line, right first Donkey Kong steals Pauline it's perfect now Mario has defeated Donkey Kong and he's captured him and he's going to show him off to the world you know kind of Jurassic Park style we're going <laughs> to take him out and show him in New York or something <laughs> what could go wrong right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing could go wrong
0: yeah and that's actually the beginning of I'll call it the lore or the history of Donkey Kong in later iterations we'll talk about in a bit they established that Donkey Kong was from a zoo and so in Donkey Kong Jr. they kind of laid that groundwork that oh he escape from the zoo, Mario is trying to get him back to the zoo. That's why he captured him. But from your son's perspective, you caught right. my dad. I need to free him, right? Donkey Kong 3 came out a bit later. Very different game. No Mario in it. Uh, Donkey Kong was in I it. He was. It do you remember this one? He's hanging from these two ropes. There are these bugs and stuff coming down. You're Stanley, the exterminator. Now, why is Donkey Kong interested in helping bugs and worms capture radishes from your garden? Who knows? <laughs> it wasn't very successful. This is the
3: one where you had to spray the puffs of of insecticide or whatever exactly you spray them them up or something like that yeah that's it yeah okay directly up you got
0: it that's the one yeah that was silly i remember when (laughs) i first saw donkey kong 3 i'm like are you kidding a third one and i played it i'm like is this one of those clones or knockoffs is it really a nintendo game it just didn't feel at all like the other donkey kong games and i mean when's the last time you saw stanley the
3: exterminator again was it the same
0: team Like, was the same guy involved in that one? I'm sure not.
2: No, I mean, they, no, entirely. The guy different. who
3: created Donkey Kong wouldn't have gone down that route. I wouldn't, I
2: wouldn't think. think so either. Yeah.
0: It was very much an old video game mentality mapping these characters oh, onto okay. it. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, it's just a board. I have to clear the board. It was that kind of thing. So that wasn't a stumbling block that stopped the Donkey Kong freight train. Later in its life, in 1994, when the Super Nintendo was on its last legs and people were starting to jump to PlayStation and stuff, right. a little-known little, uh, little known developer called Rare created Donkey Kong oh. Country mm. using those pre-rendered graphics. People couldn't believe their minds. Mm-hmm. They'd been talking about this new project that was going to be the N64, and at CES, when they showed Donkey Kong Country, people thought that must be the new Nintendo 64. They're like, nope, this is running on Super Nintendo. And sales went through the roof. I remember seeing Super Nintendo's Donkey Kong Country the first time. And I'm like, is this the same console? It was so far up. All those pre-rendered graphics and stuff. That went on to become the third best-selling title for the Super Nintendo in total, even though it was toward the end of its life. Oh, really? Uh, And two sequels. They really extended the life of the Super Nintendo for years. Wow. And it's continued on and on and on. There's been Donkey Kong with the bongo drums that you can play, (laughs) uh, Donkey Kong Barrel Blast, Tropical Freeze on the Wii U, more and more, and dozens and dozens of games across the years. It just keeps, keeps going.
2: So, John, right, there was when you did a live stream on, was it like a mod of Donkey Kong or something like that? That Donkey Kong Two it had like new levels and oh
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So what was that? How did that That's an amazing, weird little, the fact that Donkey Kong has so much staying power. So this is not for home consoles or anything. Some developers created a modifier board. If you own Donkey Kong, the real arcade stand-up machine, you could order this mod board called Donkey Kong 2 Jumpman Returns. You pull off a chip, plug in this board, put the chip back in, and it adds new instructions and boards to create brand new Donkey Kong themed levels on top of your existing Donkey Kong cabinet. Yeah, we did a live stream on it. And it's really really clever they do some neat stuff somehow they've channeled that same creativity that Miyamoto had because it's it's using the same mechanics Mm -hmm. with the same rules they add different types of screens and boards it's not just like those clones and knockoffs where you're just oh it's a slightly different ladder organization or something it's some really cool stuff with that it almost seems like that should have been Donkey Kong 3 yeah you're right (laughs) it feels like
1: it. it feels like it was a worthy success or it should have been to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com/listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
0: If you're a die-hard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com/patreon.
3: Take a look at this, Pauline. My plan
2: for the most perfect Donkey Kong trap
1: ever devised.
2: All I need is a duck, a hunting dog,
1: a bucket of water, a squirrel cage, a dirty of rope,
0: I can tell you, when I was a kid going to school in 1982, I absolutely had a Donkey Kong (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. I think you might have one now, don't you? I think you'd be disappointed in me if I didn't have a Donkey Kong t-shirt, actually. That was representative of how merchandising grabbed on with Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. Of course, the games... But when you couldn't play the game, you couldn't go to the arcade. Everything was permeated with Donkey Kong, like so, like a Pac-Man. They were all over the place. Yeah, because also they did like a whole Saturday
2: morning cartoon thing, of course. Like anything that was popular back then, they did a Saturday morning cartoon. And Pac-Man had one. All these people had one. So, of course, Donkey Kong had one.
0: It was part of a group. It was called the Saturday Morning Supercade, I think it was called. Oh, that's
2: it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and they rotated.
0: They had some Qbert, They had some Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong mm-hmm. Jr. I forget who else was in it. But in fact, Donkey Kong was voiced by Soupy Sales. Was wow. it really? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it until I read it. And I'm like, oh, I can yeah, hear I guess that. It makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think of the Liars Club with Soupy Sales sitting on the panel. Oh, yeah. So, John, I'm sure they had a
2: breakfast cereal that you had, right?
0: I don't know if I ever had the breakfast really? cereal, but they, def- they definitely had one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, you got to remember, cause... we talked about breakfast cereals before. John's mother didn't necessarily buy the trendy kitsch cereals, right? <laughs> He was very limited right. in his I had selection. grins and smiles and giggles and laughs. I know. Yeah, it right? is. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember seeing it, but it did exist. I've seen pictures of it. Uh, its tagline was, Crunchy barrels of fun, and it was the mm. cereal was the little barrels that Donkey Kong would throw. Yeah, <laughs> jeez,
2: <laughs> anything to make a buck, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> yep. Oh,
0: a couple years ago at SFGE, we met Jerry Buckner, Buckner Garcia fame on their Pac-Man Fever album in 1982. Do oh, the yeah. Donkey Kong, the well-known hit. Do the Donkey Kong. <laughs> well Why are you shaking your head at me, George?
3: <laughs> Worldwide known. Everybody. (laughs) Nintendo Greenlit. (laughs) (laughs) The well known.
0: Uh, To give you an idea of how much I loved Donkey Kong, I had the Pac-Man album. I have the 45 of Do the Donkey Kong. Of course you do. Of course he does. Yeah. The flip side is the instrumental version, so you can karaoke it. It's great. Jesus (laughs) Christ. If there are enough requests, I can do a karaoke version for you. Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me and George are like, hit mute our mics. Please quip. no. Please no. <laughs> Nobody say anything. Yeah.
2: I don't want to like, cough to be interpreted as a positive reaction. To
1: that.
0: <laughs> orange whip. Orange whip.
3: Orange whip. Three orange
0: whips. Yeah. <laughs> We've also talked on the YouTube channel about the Kid Stuff Records, uh, the, uh, like the Pac-Man albums and the Missile Command and Breakout albums. They did one all about Donkey Kong. Now, I mentioned about how he he's we found that he's in a zoo or he escaped from a zoo and that kind of thing the songs in these albums are undeniably bad but i have a sample of one that i want to play for you just because i want you first because mo you'll appreciate something in the end and also okay. because it's so wonderfully bad for the era so this is 1983 it's a song called donkey kong from that kid stuff record i gotta feel it it's gonna be wonderfully donkey bad right
1: kong. now <laughs> donkey kong <laughs> hey, oh, hey,
2: oh, oh, you guys can and Oh, and
1: G. Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Godzilla. laughs> <laughs> 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 <with> Oh, <laughs>
2: i
0: It's a storybook album. There's no cartoons with it or anything. No comic book. But tell the story of how Mario works at a pizzeria across the street. Okay, profiler's fine. And he has to go and help Pauline. And they order pizza to be delivered. Anyway, it's great to listen to if you get a chance. Because it's such a snapshot of that era. I wish
2: our (laughs) listeners could actually see you dancing to this. Because that was hilarious unto itself. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. (laughs) That seems like something
3: you should release on the Patreon website. I think so, too. Just the clip of you dancing to... So that's and and maybe doing the karaoke version too. So
2: (laughs) maybe if there are
0: requests, you let us know. We would love to. That's a treat for patrons, perhaps. Okay,
2: patrons, please request this. Especially
3: if we get five new patrons that specifically say they're signing up because they want to see you do. Donkey Kong karaoke, then you have to do Fair it. Fair enough. I think three is reasonable. Fair. No, I think five, five. is a I lot. think five is great. Five. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, okay.
0: Damn, Damn I'd rather make this
3: unattainable, if we George. Could,
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now i got to go find five fake IDs hey.
0: <laughs> I'm just interested in the money. I don't care about anything <laughs> else, so it's sticking to right. five. And it's it's John doing the work, so what the hell does George care? That's like right. dog
2: wants to be a patron now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be totally
0: worth it. If he's got a credit card, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so Donkey Kong was not just Nintendo's first major video game success in North America, but as we mentioned, it also introduced the world to Mario, upon which the Nintendo juggernaut has been yeah. formed. And, you know, more importantly, it paved the way for the company to launch the nes mm-hmm. well, what shipped with the nes super mario world yeah yep straight out of donkey Kong. A great game actually <laughs> right it is a great game in its own right that nes release helped resuscitate what was a nearly dead home video game market from the yep. 18- yeah. 1983 crash i don't think it is too big of a stretch To say that the design, the creation of Donkey Kong contributed to what ultimately became a multi-billion dollar worldwide market for home video games because it came out of that arcade game. Mm -hmm. I mean,
3: I think you're right. I think that we likely would have had some other thing create the home video game market. We just, since this did, we don't know what that would be. But like, if you had a look back at Man in the Iron Castle, you know, alternate history kind of thing, there would have been something else that would have stepped in (laughs) to fill the void it just so happens that Donkey Kong and Mario did that and they did it really early like you said right. i mean you know right after the crash in 83 83- they jumped in and I think the whole the whole system we've talked about it in other different podcasts and people have talked about it a lot, you know, of the Nintendo, you know, not being marketed as a game console, but an entertainment mm-hmm. system and all that. Right. And yeah. you're right though, you couldn't have done it if it were not for the original game design and the original thought processes behind those two thousand cabinets <laughs> sitting there and waiting to be developed into something. So yeah, absolutely. I think Donkey Kong is definitely should be credited with the home game market.
0: You make a strong point, but I think you can't overestimate the, the artistry of mm-hmm. the characters. It'd be one thing to say, well, some video game might've come along that would have been great. But the fact that the NES released with this character who was friendly and relatable and people, they'd already played him rescuing the, the damsel and they could, and super Mario world was still Mario rescuing the damsel. It was the same story in many, many cases you just was no monkey. Instead you had Bowser, right? Mm-hmm. Replaced it with this big lizard. And there's something that we talked about the art style and how Miyamoto just crafted it in a way that a a, a creative type would do it versus how a developer would do it. I don't know that it would have been as big or caught fire as well if you had not had this nice established artwork and creation done by Miyamoto all the way back in '81. I think so too. Yeah, there was
2: something on it obviously that caught our attention, right? Mm -hmm. And even today, I mean, we were just at a convention; they had what Smash Brothers competition or something like that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those characters are huge Smash Brothers, and a lot of those characters were Mario characters, yeah, because
3: that's a Nintendo product. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I think it's still being affected today, even 40 years later, which is pretty phenomenal. I love the original Donkey Kong
0: so I'm going to say it was all because of that <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: like when you
2: talk to absolutes like that
0: right well thousands of more contributing circumstances but it certainly holds uh, and it should be held in high esteem it does for me and many many other people around the world still one of the favorite games still you look at arcade one up right they're putting out these home three-quarter arcade cabinets what's the number one requested title When's there a Donkey Kong When's there a Donkey Kong well <laughs> Nintendo's not going to give them rights to it but that's what everybody wants because it's so so much a part of that arcade experience they want it sitting next to the pac-man and the mortal Kombat and that kind of stuff love yeah. it love it gentlemen thank you for going along on this look back with me and <laughs> donkey kong it is the 40th anniversary i think after the show i'm going to sit down and play some donkey kong i was doing it before the show <laughs> while waiting on you guys i'm going to do it after the show why not why not <laughs> why not That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. We'll have another backtrack in two weeks, but next week is a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, man. Oh, man, always fun. And fourth listener, it's you. We all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X grown-up is a member of the evergreen podcast family learn more at for grown your
1: dinner
0: cannot
1: basically life sucks
0: as and in addition to this iTunes review we had a short viewer mail
3: viewer mail yeah'll i do it again <laughs> 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 make fun of me <laughs> <Three, laughs> you caught two. up in your Donkey Kong nostalgia <laughs> yeah I'm ready
0: I'm that's ready a problem. This, this damn viewer mail is getting in the way of Donkey Kong that's right <laughs> alright 3 2 what was it like
2: to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances to be behind the scenes